I don't know if you caught it at the beginning of the reading in Ruth, but it gave us a time frame to remember this story. The very first words at the beginning, beginning of Ruth are, in the days of the judges. Now, if you're not familiar with those days, it was not a pleasant time. The time of the judges was early on in Israel's life. It was before Israel was unified into one kingdom. So this is before King David. All the tribes were all spread out throughout that land that was given to them. And many times they were warring with one another. Times of peace would come up. Things would be okay. And then wars would break out, whether it was other nations coming in or you know, one tribe thought they needed to do something. And then all of a sudden, God would raise up a judge to help lead, but that judge was never to be a king. But throughout the book of Judges, which is the one right before Ruth, you hear a repeated phrase, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Not what was in the sight of the Lord, but was right in their own eyes. And so the time of the judges was a very inward focused, a very broken time in Israel's history where everything amongst the people of God would fall apart repeatedly. So it's in those days that we get the story of Ruth. And Ruth is this beautiful breath of fresh air of faith after that whole book of Judges where everything falls apart in a deplorable way. And so we read about this story of faith. And you caught where they came from. So Elimelech is the husband here. Naomi is the wife. They have two sons, Malan and Chilion, and they head out, right? They head out from Bethlehem. Because in Bethlehem, there was a famine. Remember, it's in the days of the judges. Things are broken. There's a, day, a famine that has happened in their hometown of Bethlehem. A very familiar city to us. A familiar name. Yet they had to leave. And they leave to this country of Moab. Moab is not necessarily looked highly upon from the children of Israel. It is uh, the descendants of Lot, Abraham's, I forget the relation, Abraham's relation. I think it's his nephew. Um, and so they all head out and they go to this land of Moab. Moab did not follow Yahweh. Moab did not follow the same God. Moab followed all their many own gods. And so their family goes there, though, because there's food. You know what that would be like if you had nothing in one area and knew there was something in another area that you could at least get fed and get cared for? You go. And so here goes this little family off into Moab. And the sons take wives from Moab. Ten years go by, no children come. Elimelech, the husband, and the two sons, Malan and Chilion, all die, leaving Naomi, a widow with no one to care for her, and two daughters-in-law that she's responsible for. Not a good place to be. She's bitter. She's upset at the fact that the hand of the Lord, as she feels, has gone out against her. And so she encourages her two Moabite daughters-in-law to go back to their families. She says, go, be cared for by your households. Prayerfully, there will be another husband that comes up where you will be cared for in his household. But go back to your families. And after pleading with them, Orpah goes back and Ruth stands next to Naomi. There's nothing to fault Orpah for. She was doing what made sense. 
in her culture and her upbringing, that made sense to go back and be cared for. Ruth is the one that's actually doing something a little odd and different. She's standing by her mother-in-law to go into a different country that is not her own, into a foreign land, into a place where nothing is familiar at all, and yet Ruth stands next to her. And her confession of faith is beautiful. She says, don't urge me to leave you. Don't urge me to go away from you. Your people, they'll be my people. Your God, they'll be my God. Where you die, I'll die. Promising to stand by her. Promising to be next to her. Promising to live life next to her. Caring for her as though she was her own mother. It's always interesting to think. I wonder what home life was like for Ruth back within her own house. Was it a place that she wanted to go back to? A place she didn't want to go back to? We don't have that part of the story at all. But nonetheless, Ruth says, I'm going to go with you, Naomi, into this foreign land. Fun things about scripture as well. Naomi's name means pleasant, almost joyful. That's the meaning of her name. She gets back into Bethlehem after walking back, and they say, is this Naomi? She says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Mara means bitter. Her identity was so wrapped up in this broken situation that she said, don't even call me by a pleasant name anymore. Call me the one who is bitter. Because in my bitterness right now is where I live. In my bitterness as everything has fallen apart is where I am. Yet, standing next to her the entire time, is this faithful foreigner, Ruth. And it's a beautiful story of faith. But see, if we leave it there, if we leave it with just Ruth's story, we kind of miss the point of the book. Because in the midst of this beautiful story, in the midst of Ruth standing next to Naomi, in this going from a homeland to a foreign land and all of that, what we need to see is God's faithfulness. See, it's God's faithfulness to a promise to continue to take care of his people. God's faithfulness to continue to have his hand upon his people, to continue to lead his people, to continue to take care of their needs. Without reading the rest of the book of Ruth this morning, you're probably wondering how that happens. You see, Ruth is this story of God's presence in and amongst trials, temptations, and hardships. Because as they get back into Bethlehem, there's a little bit more food. And remember, we're in the time of the Judges. And at the end of the book of Judges, and as you go into Samuel and some of the other books, you start hearing about how the people wanted a king, how the people wanted someone to lead them, how the people wanted to be unified, how the people wanted God to raise up somebody from within them to lead them. God's faithfulness to his people, shines as you get to the end of the book of Ruth and you hear that she's the great-grandmother of David, King David, the one who did unify all the people, the one who did bring all the people together, the one who led all of Israel into a very good time, setting up the ability for his son to build the temple, setting up a very high time in Israelites' history. But God's faithfulness 
to his people, to be present in the midst of those trials, to bring through this foreigner person right into his family, to then carry on a line that would lead towards leadership and the Messiah. Because remember, the Israelites at that time were continuing to want to hear and continuing to want to see the prophecy of this promised Savior, this Messiah, to come. It's exactly who David was in an earthly sense. He was the one that brought the family together. So God, working through all of that to bring David. It's also interesting, if you jump into Jesus' time and you go into the book of Matthew, Ruth is named as part of his lineage. As they walk from Abraham all the way down to Jesus in Matthew's genealogy, and you get names like Ruth, and Bathsheba, and others that led all the way to Jesus. But it continues to be God's faithfulness that's the highlight of all of this. Because even think of Jesus for a second. He's not part of creation initially. He's eternal. He's the Son of God. He's from outside of creation. He was present when earth was created. The Son of God there. The Word present in the midst of everything coming into being. As you go through the book of John, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Not anything was made that was made without the Word. Something like that. Present in the very beginning from outside of creation. And then he comes into a foreign place to him. Now, he knew about it. It wasn't unknown. He had made it. But he came in and he took on flesh and he said, your flesh will be my flesh. Your sin, that'll be my sin. Your death is going to be my death. But it doesn't stop there. Because then he promises, my life, that'll be your life. My righteousness, that'll be your righteousness. The grace of God raising me from the dead, that's yours. God's faithfulness to his own promise at the Garden of Eden to raise up a Savior that would crush Satan and bring life back to the creation. All through Christ on your behalf to give you everything that was his. Something foreign as we sit within our sin, but something beautiful as we trust in his promises, as we trust in that grace and mercy that he gives us through Christ. And so it's his life that becomes our life. It's his relationship with his father that becomes our relationship with that same father as we are redeemed by everything that he has done for us. And so through a faithful foreigner in Ruth, and we see God's faithfulness played out in that moment in time, we continue to see God's faithfulness played out through all that he has done for you in Christ. And we're thankful for that faithfulness because it's that faithfulness that is enduring, that faithfulness that is never ending, and that faithfulness that continues to bring us to him. And so we sit within that peace and in that grace, thankful for all that God does as he's faithful to his promises to give you life and forgiveness and salvation. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for acting within your creation to bring us back unto yourself. 
We pray that you continue to build our faithfulness towards you, to speak to others about uh, your faithfulness, and to give us hearts of faith, trusting in your promises of life and redemption and salvation. Knowing that it's not through our hands that that is worked, but it is through our hands that you work to tell others about yourself. Be with us where we go. Strengthen us by your spirit that we may always point to the word of truth in your son Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Church,